Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to Invest in Yourself, the podcast series. We are a little early this this evening. It's because we have a very special guest, the man if man of relationship knowledge himself, Nigel Beckles. Nigel, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you for having me, Phil. Much appreciated. Um, so before we begin, let's just jump into uh, who you are, what it is your podcast is about, and just a general overview, and then we'll jump into the fun questions. Well, where do I start? Uh, in terms of my podcast, I started podcasting 14 months ago. Uh, and it really started as a, a lockdown project. And it's strange because uh, I have a background in radio, radio presentation and uh, production. And a podcaster wanted to interview me about my book. So we were having a chat and he said, oh, Nigel, have you ever thought about podcasting? And I was like, well, what's that? Because despite my background in radio, I, I, I had a vague idea about podcasting, but I had no idea, really. So I went online and Googled, as you do. And I thought, well, it can't be rocket science. You know, it's, lots of people seem to be doing it. And again, because I was a former DJ, so I already had a mixer and a a fantastic SM57 Shaw microphone. You're already just, there. You're already halfway to uh, awesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. So I just dug them out. And all I really had to buy, to be honest, was leads to connect the mixer to the PC, um, a microphone stand. And then I just went through my kind of Facebook friends list and invited people to be interviewed. That's how I really started. Uh even though I've got a qualification in uh, radio production, but I never done any production when I was with the radio station. I was merely a presenter. So along my podcasting journey, I've had to basically teach myself how to edit, which is fine. I mean, now I'm in a position where I have clients who pay me to produce their podcasts. So That's, that seems to be what every podcaster ends up happening. They end up starting their podcasting journal with no knowledge whatsoever of podcasting. And then it switches until other people are like, hey, um, do you want to uh, make my podcast? And every podcaster is like, yes, you pay me and I'll do it for you. <laughs> and then it's a it's a nice stream of income that's how i that's what happened to me it took me six years uh mm. to get that at point you got 14 months so i'm a little jealous of that but hey <laughs> well the thing is because i was a dj for about 20 years um then i was a radio presenter so it's all it's always been audio i've always been involved with audio in one form or another so when i started podcasting i was like a fish to water you know i i loved it i, I love all aspects of podcasting i like mm -hmm. the interviews i enjoy the editing i enjoy the production i enjoy it all so it doesn't feel like work to me however i do understand why people do outsource their editing and production because it takes time learning how to edit competently it takes time oh yeah and obviously there are podcasters out there who uh, they'll say, oh, I just record and I upload it raw. And some of those same podcasters are going to be wondering, well, why don't I have a lot of listens or a lot of downloads? You know, because my philosophy is basically, if I haven't put the time in to produce the best podcast I can produce, why should someone take the time to listen to it? Exactly. That it, Again, it's, it's a, to me, it's a fair exchange of time. Mm -hmm. So I've got to put the time in to produce a decent podcast so people will listen to it. 
And that's what that's worked well for me, really. I mean, I think within five months, I started having uh, PR companies from America contacting me. You know, can can you interview our clients? And they're always looking for a freebie, as we call it in the UK. You know, they don't want to pay you, but but you've got to kind of look at look at it and say, well, are these guests? Or is the guest going to enhance my credibility? Mm-hmm. So, and I was only five months in to my podcasting journey. So, five months in via a PR company, I interviewed Robert Bell, co-founder of Cooling the Game. They've sold seventy million records worldwide. Um, other, you know, guests I've had there known worldwide. You know, some of them I've had via PR companies. Some of them, it's just been my own research because I belong to a couple of uh, guest websites. So, you know, you can go on the website, you can search by category. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm into relationships, so I tend to look for relationship coaches or therapists, etc. So, yeah, so my goal, especially at the end of last year, I made a, I made a decision to focus on authors, experts, or both. Or people who've got intriguing or interesting stories to share. I mean, I interviewed a chap called Jeffrey Deskovic a couple of weeks ago, American guy, and he hasn't got a book. However, he was convicted of rape and murder at the age of 17, spent 16 years in prison and was exonerated on the grounds of DNA evidence. Wow. You know, and, and Jeffrey's got he's actually got a documentary on Amazon Prime now. I need Con- to check that out. What is it called? Conviction. His name is Jeffrey Deskovic. I'm definitely going to check out that because I had a, a chat with a, a gentleman who's starting podcasting journey. He just got out of prison. Um, he was a, a victim, well, not a victim, but he was uh, incarcerated due to the three strike law. When it comes to uh, for felony, and it, he was convicted convicted to over 120 years. Okay. And thanks to his work with the legal and learning all about this, he was able to get it commune to I think only 20 years. But because of him doing all the work, he was able to get a law in place called the his oh. name is John Esteem, and it's called the Esteem Law. <laughs> Yeah, I laugh because I've interviewed John as well. Ah, so you know John. Actually, it's, it was 150 years. Oh, yes, it's 120, 150. Yeah, it's still a long ass. A long time, yeah. Yeah, and he's he's a great guy. So, yeah, I love seeing when people uh, come out Yeah. from that. when they, Like, I personally don't believe any, unless you're moving large quantities of illegal stuff, you should not be put, being sentenced to long stretches at time. That's unfair. Uh, you're just trying to make a living because the world is tough. But go ahead. Well, I'm just going to say, obviously, the laws in Canada, America, and the UK are very different. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you probably even for murder here, you probably, unless it's really heinous, you might be looking at 15, 20 years. Yeah. For us, I, I think the law for murder, I think it's 25 years uh, the minimum sentence and then you can get life but still at 25 years you get the chance for parole depending on uh the the gruesome the yeah the brutality of the uh the murder like if you went on a rampage and just like mowed down 20 people 
you're in there for life. There's no chance of parole, but you know, if it's like a self-defense mm -hmm. or something like that, I think you probably get yeah. a little more lax, lax there. Um, but let's move back on to the podcasting side of things. <laughs> um, unless becoming a legal drama, that's probably another podcast down the way. I'll have lawyers mm -hmm. on for that. Um, Nigel, so you, you started 14 months ago after being interviewed on a podcast. And what was your biggest why? Like when you started, decided to do podcasting, what was the why? My biggest why was I'm an advocate for victims and survivors of domestic abuse. Um, part of that motivation is because I grew up in a home where I witnessed uh, domestic violence. And, you know, about 10 years ago, I started one of my Facebook groups, which is a support group. And I just thought, well, this would be a really great way to raise awareness. So initially, I started interviewing survivors and so they could share their stories etc and then it evolved because i when i started pod well before i started podcasting the received wisdom was well you should be in a niche you must have a niche i was like mm. well yeah that sounds okay but if you're in a niche then you're going to be restricted that's how i looked at it and i don't want to be restricted and i also took the view because i also have been in, involved in promotion and marketing as well the key question for me is, for a podcast, is how much time are you spending marketing your podcast? It's not really a question of what niche you're in, in my opinion. It's a question of how much time are you putting into promoting each episode. For example, I've, I, I've got a three-part series called Exposing the Narcissist in Relationships. And I uploaded that 22nd of August last year. That episode, the episode one, has now over 1,400 views slash listens on YouTube alone. But that's because I consistently post that particular link. Mm -hmm. There are other things I may do, I may give certain episodes a Facebook boost. You know, I might pay 10, 15 pounds, you know, just so it get that post gets more reach. So there's various things. I think you can do. Um, so yeah, so that was my why, really raising awareness on kind of domestic abuse issues. No, I, and I think that that is an amazing why because it is something that needs to be talked about more, and it's less victim blaming and more being people being held accountable for their actions mm. and that. And no one should be in a relationship that's abusive, either emotionally, physically, or manipulative in any way, because that's not good for anybody. You never win. There's a it's a zero sum game at that point, and no one's having fun. And so I'm glad that you at least are advocating. And I and I find that a lot of people who are advocating do come from the UK. I, at least I've been seeing, because you have uh, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart advocating a lot for, mm -hmm. you know, domestic violence. You know, you have obviously the Queen and the royal family doing it and bringing that up. So, no, I think having having someone like yourself who understands how to promote it and staying out of the niche, your niche is relationships in essence, but there's a general, mm. it's huge relationships because you can have, you know, you the start of the relationship, the middle of the relationship, rebuilding your relationships, you know, but abusive relationships and all this. So you do have a, a niche, but you're a, the biggest niche possible. And you're, and you're, you've understand because you do come from that background of radio and production of how to promote something to get people eyeballs on it. Mm. Or ears as it were. 
Oh, yeah, or ears. <laughs> um, oh, we got our first person coming in, Adam Milchip, one of the greats. He's a podcaster actually in the UK. Um, oh. he, yeah, he runs a podcast called the TWS Sports Podcast, and it's a sports podcast that he hosts with his ch the children from his school who are autistic children or autistic uh, uh, adults, uh, young adults, and they interview sports celebrities. So he's a great guy, always tuning into the show, so I'm always thankful to see him, and he's a great guy. Um, so yeah, thank you, Adam, for being here and joining me and Nigel on uh, Invest in Yourself, the podcast series. Um, so since you've you're still relatively young in your podca podcasting uh career but you've also interviewed close to 105 140 you said before 171 around yeah, i'm under shooting i'm like it's about 150 i'm like i'm gonna go 140 i'm like no you should have shot over 200 people right uh, 170 wow well when i started as i said it started off as a lockdown project and, of, and i live on my own you know it's just me myself and i <laughs> So when I started off, you know, sometimes I was doing like three interviews a day, mm -hmm. you know, you know, like I just, and then as I progressed along, then, you know, people were contacting me, you know, can you, you know, would you like to interview me kind of thing? As I told you about the PR companies already. So, yeah, so it just kind of blossomed, I suppose. And the other thing about podcasting, Again, back to marketing, I have a dedicated um, podcasting website, which is provided by PodPage, which I would highly recommend, highly recommend. <laughs> so, it looks so, from such minimal work, it looks so professional. So, and I've had that for probably 12 months, about a year now. So, when I, when I invite a potential guest, I send them basically a, a brief outline of the format and a link to my website so they can go to my website they can see who i've interviewed you know and they can play the interview direct off of my website yeah i mean i interviewed jane elliott jane elliott is well known worldwide um as an anti-racism advocate jane elliott has been on the oprah winfrey show five times at least you wow. google google jane elliott she's got a long wiki page and it's funny because sometimes I just have ideas either in bed or in the bath. And I was in bed one morning, not thinking about racism or diversity, not thinking anything like that. Just popped, popped into my head. I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great to interview Jane Elliott? So when I got out of bed, I Googled her, found her website. <laughs> On her website, she's got a contact page. I filled it out and included a link to my podcast website within two hours jane elliott emailed me and said she'd love to come on my podcast you could have knocked me down with a feather <laughs> i was like wow i i have a, a similar story there is a guest that's going to be coming on this show uh later on in the season who i was blown away by i don't want to spoil it because it is he is uh someone of uh big nature in the podcasting world but it was i had i had just uh seen him i'm like you know what gonna throw throw against the wall hail mary pass you never know what's gonna happen mm. through the hail mary ask him to come on and he's like yeah sure send send this person the link and i'm like wait whoa <laughs> <laughs> holy moly and that this is for this and this is still a young show it's only it started in august 1st uh oh, wow. no two weeks ago actually two weeks ago uh, the two last weeks of july started this 
But my other show, The Investing Yourself, it was still maybe two months old. And I ended up landing uh, the gentleman who owns the rugby team that you can see the jersey behind, okay, Sarla yeah. Rugby. He also owns the largest rural incubator in the world, uh, rural incubator in at least uh, the largest rural incubator in the world. Sorry. And he and he owns a like a rugby team. Like, oh, my God, I have a sports owner on my podcast. And like he's been in the industry, digital marketing industry for over 20 years now, mm. 25 years. So like he's a heavyweight and I'm like, Oh my God, how did I land this? Like, this is crazy. And then I landed a millionaire and it's like knocking over it a feather. I understand the full thing of like, you end up going, you're throwing a hail Mary. You're like, I'm going to try. And then you get it and you're like, Oh, <laughs> well, if you don't, you see, this is a thing. And I can't remember that. What's that American film field field of dreams. Yes. And the slogan was, if you build it, they will come. Well, you have to start building. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I posted to um, one of my podcasts, sorry, not my podcast group, um, posted to a group about Joe Rogan. And uh, there's a picture of Joe Rogan, looks like he's sitting in a, I don't know, a kitchen with a microphone. And it basically says, this is how Joe Rogan started. So someone posts, oh yeah, well, it's all right for him because he was a comedian and he's he's been on TV. So it's all right for Joe Rogan. Yeah, but... Joe Rogan put in the work. He yeah, didn't just he, pop out of his mother's womb and become a comedian overnight. You see, the thing with life is there are very few overnight successes. You have to put in the work, or as the mm -hmm. Americans say, put in the grind. You're not going to build your reputation thinking about what you're going to do. It doesn't work like that. You've no. got to put in the work. Simple as that. Yeah, every single YouTuber who's made it big, it's they've grinded and grinded until oh. continuing, continue, and then they get this one random video that either goes viral, mm. or they just hit that point where they're like, yes, and it just continues to grow and grow, and then YouTube picks it up, or podcasters like Joe Rogan, like you said, he started mm. in this kitchen, and now he has this full estate of a studio that he has for his podcasting and he's helped other people get into the podcasting from the mm. comedian world. Like it's always nice when you see someone famous where they started or some of the big guys where they started because yeah. they put in the work, they, they put in the grind. Like, yes, Joe Rogan may have started his podcasting with a small audience. Thanks to his comedy from fear factor, mm. the UFC and all that. But he had to start as a comedian somewhere. Precisely. He had to work his way up. And then when he got to the podcasting, he still had to work because not everybody knew who what, what a podcast was. Precisely. And I'm glad you said that because he started his podcast in 2009. So he's been podcasting for about 12 years. So again, he hasn't just like suddenly popped up. You know, he's been he's been at it for a while and he's one of the early podcasters, as you yeah. said. Yeah, and he's only just last year or the year before he got that million a hundred million dollar contract with Spotify to be exclusive. Yep. Like it wasn't when he first started. No, he had to grind for at least 12 years before mm. he got that giant contract. And I think a lot of podcasters forget that when they they see how easy it is to get into the domain because oh, podcasting geez. is it's it's super easy but growing a podcast doing all the work mm. behind the scenes that's where all the real work is and that's mm. where you learn if you're going to be a podcaster or are you just going to be a flash in the pan type thing well you know when i <laughs> when i started podcasting um i described podcasting like the wild west because i'm like wow this is there's all types of different stuff going on here you know i mean to me because i'm into audio 
you know, being a former DJ, radio presenter, etc. I have a keen ear for audio. So it's very obvious to me that someone's just spoken into their phone and uploaded it and they say, oh, yeah, hi, I'm a podcaster. No, a little bit more to it than that, my friend. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it takes time. I mean, for me, not so much now, but certainly when I started, if I had a 30-minute interview, that could take me two hours to edit, maybe three hours. I had a guest on, really well-known, world-famous guest. <laughs> Audio was horrendous absolutely <sighs> took me about five days not five straight days but you know two hours take a break do another two hours you know but yeah five hours but that caliber of guest you you can't really say oh that wasn't that great would you mind doing that again i was, I was lucky to get get them in the first place that was one <laughs> of the guests i got from the PR, from the pr companies <laughs> so yeah but you have to put the graft in. You have to put, you know, put the work in. I take pride in anything I do. I mean, my first, when I wrote my first book, that took me five years, five years of research. Uh, you know, but I take pride in what I do, whether it's writing, writing books, whether it's doing my podcast, whatever. Because I believe quality will always win out in the end. I, I fully believe you. The more the content is important, but once you have good content, like you, you're speaking with these amazing guests, these amazing experts, authors. So the content is there because they're going to provide you with this great stuff because they want to give you a great interview. The next step is the quality of the audio because you have to think of your the the listener. It's not only your guest, but also the listener who's going to be listening back to this and they want to be able to hear maybe they're interested in your guests or they're interested in you and they want to hear what you're saying. And if you have garbled or like tunnelish and cutting audio, it's never going to be good and you're never going to grow. Like you said, talking to a phone, you know, like you just live talking into your phone, like anchor allows you to do yeah, and yeah. you call yourself a podcaster. It's like podcasting is a little more than just, you know, talking into your phone. You need to get edit your audio, make sure it's quality is well worth it. And you're all, and you're promoting it. Cause promotion is this like the, 90% of the work of a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, I, I am an audio snob. I will put my hands up, you know, because my attitude is it doesn't matter how great your content may be. If your audio is rubbish, no one's going to listen to it. Simple as that. You could you could be interviewing Meghan Markle or Prince Harry. Or you pick whoever you like. <laughs> if your audio is whack, this is not not gonna fly. I mean, I listen to podcasts occasionally because I'm spending more most of my time doing my own podcast. But I'll, I'll listen to a few. But if the audio within ten seconds, if the audio quality is not up to my standard, I'm off. It's fair. It's as simple as that. Because you know. So for me, I always say, aim for great audio quality first. Then, and if you've got great content, then that's a win-win. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, I think, like you said, it is the Wild West because some people are preaching have great content, don't worry about the audio. And then you have some people approaching that you need to have crisp, clean audio and the content can come later. So I like like that division of the world that podcasting provides. I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm like, have good quality audio, like make sure you can understand what's being said. That helps. <laughs> that, that helps. That's like, if you can get that, if your audio can be at least understood, I'm not I used to, my first show that I did, the Phil Better show, I used to go in and edit every um and mm, ah. Yeah. I still out. do that. 
I can't anymore. It used to take me five hours to edit an hour long <laughs> podcast. And I'm like, this is burning me out. I can't yeah. do this anymore. So, but over time I've learned how to avoid saying those ums and ahs because mm. you become a, you learn like as a radio DJ and that you learn the techniques and the skills and mm. the how to fill those empty gaps in the conversation with something so that it becomes an easier conversation to edit afterwards mm. but i still catch myself saying um and ahs and at this end of the day it's it's the authenticity i feel that draws people in as well mm. well i will i won't edit them all out and certainly if like they've ummed and joined it very closely to a word you know it's going to be impossible to edit that out so I'd, i'll leave a few in but the ums and the ahs and the repetitiveness i.e someone might say you know a lot you know you know like every <laughs> after every other sentence it's like you know you know you know um those are called speech crutches and and they're subconscious mostly and it's because people are uncomfortable with the silence they don't like that that, that gap so I, they, so I, they feel love, the gap. I love the the silence as an interviewer because that in in essence puts the pressure back on the guest to say, "Look, your your answer <laughs> wasn't good enough. Let, let come on, give me some more." So I always, whenever I advise a, a client, I'm like, "Give them five seconds of silence. If they don't answer after five seconds of silence, mm. just go into the next question and you're good." But that five seconds of silence is just enough so as, as people get awkward, mm. and you can get that that good sometimes they'll they'll just reveal a bit more i find well that's true but the other thing you've got to take into account obviously is whether you're going live or if you're recording. yeah if you're if you're going live i tend not to suggest don't do the five <laughs> seconds of silence just power through it yeah, uh, yeah but if you're not going live and you're 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 off, you're off air or you're not you're just recording at another time no audience use the five seconds because that's going to help grow the podcast and get that good content mm -hmm. Well, if you're, if you're editing, I mean, do you use Audacity? Yes, I use Audacity. Yeah, well, I use Audacity. So, you know, so there's a feature in Audacity called truncate silence or silence truncate. So I have mine set to, so what that does is mine is set for two seconds. So say I've got a gap of five seconds some in some parts of the interview. I just highlight the whole track. Mine is set to two seconds and it will reduce any, any silence above two seconds. It will reduce it to two seconds. Ooh. So that saves you having to go through, you know, shortening, et cetera, et cetera. The other rule I learned being a radio presenter, the radio industry standard is you shouldn't have no more than three seconds of dead air. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so anything over three seconds is not, is frowned upon in radio, put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> And if you're going live on as well, like this a yeah. podcast, I, I I tend to say what most of my guests don't go live, or most of my uh, my clients don't go live uh, mm. interviews. And that I'm I'm still learning and teaching them how to go live because I'm this is the first time I've done uh, a live show myself mm. uh, so consistently. So I when you're but when I'm recording off air, I have a few. I usually record my other show, uh, Investing Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast, off air, uh, away from the live because. I don't want to put anybody on a space or they feel because I like to give them the final edit because they are taking their time and they're usually on they're entrepreneurs. So they're business owners and that and they want to protect their brand and mm. that. So I give them the I give them the final edit so that they have the chance to tell me afterwards to remove stuff. So that's why I do allow the the five seconds of silence and I break all the 
radio rules possible because <laughs> I'm allowed to because it's podcasting. But when yeah. I do go live, I try and keep the silence to a bare minimum because I know I have my audience watching and I don't want them to be uh, dulled by a, a long pause. <laughs> They're like, why is he not talking anymore? Um, but I do want to, since you are relatively a, still a young podcaster in the game, if you will, uh, but you're a veteran because you've done over 170 interviews and 170 uh, episodes. Um, what are some of the pain points that you found uh, podcasting? Either some that you have solved or some that you're still looking to solve in the, uh, the world of podcasting, would you say? I would say for myself, I'm still trying to find the most effective way and cost-effective way to promote each episode. I mean, Facebook is pretty um, cost-effective, but but there must be other ways, other things that exist out there that I can try. For example, I, being an author, I belong to author groups. So this chap posted advertising videos. He makes video promos for books, basically. Mm -hmm. And I, I, he posted an example. I was like, well, actually, that looks pretty cool. That look, it looks like Hollywood kind of production. I'm like, yeah, that looks pretty good. He also posted that he charges $9 per video. I was like, come on now. I was born at, I was born at night, but not last night. $9 for that. So I, so I unboxed him and he sent me a few more examples and, um, yeah, I booked him, but he lives in India. And and this is what I've learned over, over the last few years as well. If you're looking to all outsource, then you, you know, you need to be looking on Fiverr, you need to be looking on people per hour, because you've got people, freelancers in those countries, India, Bangladesh, who I've hired before, mm -hmm. and they produce great work for cents on the dollar. Yeah, for a pittance, really, because if, I don't know what the exchange rate is, but I'm sure nine or ten US dollars to him might be, I don't know, 5,000 rupees. I don't know. <laughs> no. But, um, he, he, he's, he's, he's eating for a week. That's what he's doing on that. <laughs> $10 American, yeah. he's eating for a week and he's happy. Yeah. So he's going to do a video for my book. And, if, and I'm sure I'm going to be happy with it because I've got another two books that I'm working on. But then I thought to myself, aha, he could do a video for my podcast, a promo video. So when it, once he's done the book promo, then I'm going to ask him to do a video for my podcast. Ooh, that's a genius yeah. idea. For nine, for nine dollars. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's no it's a brainer. happy meal at McDonald's if anything you know you it's like nine dollars I don't get to have my Starbucks coffee this week oh no but I do get this chance of having a a great promo video for my podcast I love it have you have you focused on or tried audiograms from Headliner oh yes I use I use Headliner what I tend to do with each podcast episode is I do the interview obviously then what I do I make a clip I make an interview clip so the clip consists of me asking a question and then part of the answer. I don't obviously include the full answer because it's a teaser. Yes. So, uh, yeah, so basically, so like, obviously I've got it in Audacity. So mm -hmm. I make the clip, then I upload it to Headliner, add the image, easy peasy, done deal. Five-minute yeah. job. I love Headliner for that, that um, it makes it just so easy. And mm -hmm. uh, the, the hosting site that I use actually connects, so I don't even have to make an additional clip i just have to 
upload my thing to the hosting site. Then I just press the headliner button and it brings me straight to headliner. The audio is all there and I just have to choose mm. that clip. And because I have notes, because I'm a smart person, <laughs> I write down the timestamps. So I already know where my timestamps are. Okay. So when I go and mm. clip it, it's even easier work for me. So after I've edited and made it nice and sound, sounding beautiful, I already have it up there and it's just one click and it's nearly done. Mm. I don't know what I like about headliner. I don't know what they do with the audio, but there's, there's something they do that enhances the audio. So what I tend to do, uh, once I've done the, the edit, done the production, I actually upload the, the, the complete interview to Headliner. Then oh. what I'll do, I'll download it, and now it's, now it's an MP4, isn't it? But then I just upload the MP4 to a conversion site where it converts it back into an MP3, download that, check it, good to go. I can save you some time. Um, Audacity can uh, convert MP4s to MP3s. Um, um, well, I don't know what version of um, Audacity I've got, but I've I've tried to drop. Even I was I had I had an editing job yesterday. I I finished, and the lady who sends me the work, she always has them. She sends me MP4 files. So when I try and drag and drop them in my version of Audacity, it just why not? So there is a uh, an add-on you have to do. You have to download oh. it. Um, but if you go, it's very simple. You just go audacity MP4 file mm. and it audacity, it will bring you to the audacity website. Then it will link you to the oh, out okay. thing and you just download it and then you inst have it installed or find it in, it tells you how to do it, mm. but it is, it is saved me. Cause I, I don't download the audio from the interviews. I just download the video and then I just upload it into my audacity and now I have oh. an MP3. So I now have my YouTube video that I then go and edit later in my uh, mm. editing software that I use. I use DaVinci Resolve, um, a, a great program that's free, but it eats, eats up your computer so much. It's so powerful. <laughs> um, and if you don't have an up-to-date computer, you're, it's going to slow down your computer. Like, mm. like molasses going uphill in winter. Um, so, but yeah, uh, audacity can uh, convert MP4s to MP3s oh. and it saves you from having to upload it. Then wait till it downloads it right there. Well, yeah, well, it's not too, it's not too, it's not too onerous. I mean, at the end of the day, it might take, if I upload, I use a, um, a website called, um, MP3 toolbox, mm -hmm. you know, so, and it might take, it might take probably two or three minutes, but I'm not while it's doing its thing i'll jump back onto facebook or go and yeah do you'll do you'll, you'll do other work yeah, i'll do other things so i just yeah. let it do its thing same you must have really thing. high internet i don't have that high fast internet <laughs> i have a slow internet all oh, right i have fiber optic oh yeah i i don't have fiber optic yeah, we, so we're like, just yeah, we're still on cable i'm lucky i'm not on yeah. dial-up anymore jesus oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine trying to do a podcast on dial-up wow <laughs> And for anybody who doesn't know, I've just aged myself greatly. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Let, letting me look like I'm 95 years old. Thank you so much for that, Nigel. Um, Nigel, what is a tip you would have for someone entering the podcasting world for the first time? Hmm. Do your research and prepare. What's that? I'm one for sayings. One of my favorite sayings is those who fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Oh, I like that. So you have, for me, it's, it's all about preparation. Everything's about preparation. I mean, even, and again, that code goes back even to my radio broadcasting days because radios is all planned. There is very 
the little ad-libbing off-the-cuff stuff on radio. 95% of the stuff you hear is scripted. It's ready. The art of radio broadcasting is mostly, and TV broadcasting for that matter, is reading scripts but sounding natural. You don't sound mm -hmm. like you're reading, basically, because that just sounds boring. <laughs> so, yeah, preparation. You know, you know, plan your show. You know, I, when I invite a guest and they agree, what I do, I send them my proposed questions in advance because that's part of my training. When I took my radio qualification, a module of my training was journalism. Mm -hmm. So I was I was taught, you know, you should send questions in advance. And I think it's just ethical and it's just common courtesy. Not to say that I will stick rigidly to what I've sent them, because if they go off on a tangent, for example, I interviewed a, a relationship coach. Oh, well, so I'm interviewing him. So I'm asking him about his childhood. And, and then he came out and said, oh, um, I was in a home, a children's home, and I was sexually abused while I was in that home. Now, I had zero idea that had happened to him. So, but he was very open about it. Not that he gave any graphic details, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't kind of like hiding it. And he was, he was quite comfortable talking about it. So, you know, you have to be flexible. So to, to me, it's all about preparation, but also being uh, flexible. I'm sure we'll talk about my fun times with IndiePods United later. But, um, Ooh, I'm, I'm, I am interested in that because I'm supposed to be a either a chair or present on it. I'm not 100%. I know Tina, who is an amazing uh, oh, yes, Tina for doing that. But yeah, she had mentioned, she had asked me to help out in, in yeah. some regard because uh, uh, I do have a, a, a few years podcasting and some knowledge and connections. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, I mean, again, how I got involved with, with um, IndiePods United, again, I was probably five months in, six months in. And I got a, a DM from Tina saying, I'll be organizing this uh, this podcasting, virtual podcasting summit. Would I like to be a co-organizer? So I thought, okay. So we have the first Zoom meeting. And they're, they're very taken with my my accent because obviously I'm Brit <laughs> British. So they're always like, oh, fish and chips, Nige. Fish and chips. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, and they're, so they're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to do this virtual podcasting summit and it's going to be for five days, 12 hours a day. And I'm like, I know you Americans like to do things big, <laughs> but I think that's a tad ambitious. But you know what? Pulled it off. In terms of the background, you know, we had great background staff doing all different technical stuff. And it wasn't just podcasters. It wasn't just purely about podcasting. I mean, we had games. We had comedians from Saturday Night Live. We had um, workshops. I mean, I presented a couple of workshops, um, obviously um, preparing for interview and starting a podcast. So those are two presentations that I I done. Um, but it was great. It was great. And at the moment, um, Tina is incorporating IndiePods United. So yes. once, all, once all that corporation legal stuff is done, then we're aiming for November of this year. 
Ooh, I'm excited. I know because I know she wanted to do it in June and yes. stuff happened and uh, it's got delayed. And I'm glad that I'm hearing that it's coming in November. Maybe it's going to be around my birthday. I'm not saying maybe that's going to be a good time, you know, just <laughs> saying I'm going to be very happy if it is around my birthday. But yeah, um, Nigel, we are coming up near the end of the show. I still have a few more questions, but um, I want to know one of my favorite questions to ask podcasters is what is your favorite mo memory or moment from podcasting? The moment that you're like, ah, this is why I podcast. I've had so many, I've had so many. Um, I mean, because, okay. So when I interviewed Jane Elliott, that was like, wow. I was like, wow, I interviewed Jane Elliott. So, you know, but then I can hang up my microphone. I'm done. Goodbye world. You know, but then after that, I interviewed, a, a chap called Menelik Shabazz, um, who's a, you know, worldwide known black director, born in Barbados, but lived in the UK for many years. And he is considered a pioneer of black cinema in the UK. Sadly, he passed away uh, last month, actually. Oh. Um, but I kept, became good friends with Menelik because uh, I was still writing my first book and he was working on a movie documentary called Looking for Love. So because I'd started a Facebook group to get feedback on my writing, he invited me to contribute to this documentary. Since won awards and all sorts. So, yeah, so I've interviewed him. So there's always, you're always aiming, I'm always aiming for the next, great guest if you want if you like you know last monday i interviewed a chap called al hamilton mbe he's a former journalist he's the founder of the commonwealth sports awards which is an awards he created to celebrate like you know black sportsmen and women he's now an mbe because he was awarded an mbe mbe for his services to sport so for I, anybody who doesn't know that's a member of the british uh, yeah, me member of the British Empire. Yeah, that, that's that's big. That's like Queenie is. Uh, it's not as big as knighting, but it's it's yeah. still a huge event, and it, it's something that you. It's like a wow. That's that's insane. A member of the British Empire. Well, he's my he's my third guest who's a member of the British Empire. Just just rubbing it in the face. Right? <laughs> Members of the British Empire on your show. Just just casually. Yeah. He, oh, he's the third one. Don't worry about it. I'm over here like, oh my God, that's amazing. You're like, nah. I get them every other week, you know, it's fine. <laughs> but I, for me, it's always onto the next guest, onto the next, next episode, really. So it's always an evolving thing because, you know, when I interviewed Jane Elliott, I would have thought, oh, well, wow, I'm not going to really get much better than that. But because I'm not in a niche and I have the, liberty to invite who i want to interview you know I, i've interviewed a wide variety of people you know i've interviewed um advocates for autism obviously i've interviewed survivors of domestic abuse obviously i've interviewed experts on racism i've had an expert on cancel culture i've had all different types of people on but i'm a curious person so for me, I'm learning as well. So I look at it that I'm learning something, but my listeners are learning something as well. You know, so I always 
try and say to myself, okay, what is this guest going to bring to the table? Because I know what I'm bringing to the table. I know I'm bringing great production audio skills. I know what I'm doing in terms of interviewing and I know what I'm doing editing. So I know what I bring to the table. So I'm looking for guests who's got something to bring to the table because I know what they bring to the table. I can enhance that. Mm -hmm. So it's a win-win. Oh, I love it. I love how you're looking. Okay. Finding the guests and you're, you're not resting on your laurels. You're like, Oh, I got Jane Elliott. Whoopity. I'm done podcasting. I'm I've made it. I can get whoever I want. I don't really care. No, you're looking for, okay. Who's the next person that I can come and can come into my network and that can help build this and help my audience learn something. Mm. And like you, as like you, I'm a, I'm, I, I love learning. I love mm. interviewing. I love conversations. Like if I go to a bar, I'm probably talking to at least 13 people just randomly, just trying to find out a fun story just to learn their stories because i think everybody has a great story in their life because well, no one go ahead that sorry. is true no that is true everyone everyone has a everyone has a, a story and you know i kind of take the view i mean it got to a stage where i had so many pr companies contacting me that i actually created a, a fees package for interviews so if it's someone that i approach i will not obviously ask for a fee but if a pr company approaches me well fees apply because they're getting paid to get PR for their client. So mm -hmm. it seems to me the only person in that chain who's Ain't not getting, getting, paid. Any, who's getting paid is is me. And and some podcasters, I think some podcasters sell themselves short. But mm -hmm. you've got to kind of weigh it up. You've got to say, well, having this person as a guest, is it adding to my credibility? Because I look at my podcast like a portfolio. So mm -hmm. my podcast website is my portfolio. So you can go to my portfolio, you can see who I've interviewed, you can listen to the quality of my work, and there you go. And I also came to the conclusion, well, there's 7 billion plus people on the planet. I'm not going to run out of people to interview. <laughs> no. <So. laughs> Bar barring another natural disaster that wipes out most of the population, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you have at least a billion people you can interview about relationships uh, from all over the world. And that's just the English speaking population. <laughs> Next, when you start mixing in different languages, then you just open up to all 7 billion of them. Uh, <laughs> Nigel, uh, we are coming to the end. Uh, I want to thank you so much. I'm going to just jump off the screen here. I'm going to give you the opportunity to let my audience know where they can find you, how they can listen to your podcast, how they can get buy your book, because even though we didn't really touch on it, you are the relationship master here. You got you help people understand relationships and avoid the mistakes. So I'm just going to jump off the screen here. I'm going to allow you to do sell yourself. So here oh. you go, sir. <laughs> well, I'm the author of the book called How to Avoid Making the Big Relationship Mistakes. And here is a copy here. No, here, that's better. Yeah. And it's available on Amazon. Uh, my podcasts are available on numerous um, platforms, Anchor, Spotify, etc. I have a dedicated podcast website. Uh, it's authornigelbecklespodcast.com. And if you Google my name or Google author Nigel Beckles, you will find probably about six or seven pages of results on Google. <laughs> so I'm very easy to find on Google. So feel better. Thank you very much for your time. It was my pleasure. Thank you for your time to being here and being a guest on the live episode. Uh, we already got feedback. They're loving our conversation. I'm glad Adam was enjoying this. And uh, again, 
Remember, guys, if you want to listen to Nigel's podcast or buying his book, the links will be in the show notes down below. Uh, make sure you support this amazing podcaster because he has a wealth of uh, episodes out there that are phenomenal. I've been starting to listen to it since Nigel was uh, uh, agreed to be on the podcast, um, and I'm loving everything of it. And I've seen mo the reason I was so happy to have you on the show is I see how much you promote in all the different podcast groups, because I think we're in like 90 of the, the same yes. groups. And all every, every day I just jump on. I'm like, the first couple posts are all Nigel um, posting. I'm like, I like it. I like it. I like it because you are doing stuff that 90% of podcasters aren't. You're properly promoting your show and you're showing the value of listening to the episode. So that's something I, I admire that you do as a, a podcaster. So thank you for doing that and at least showing a template for other podcasters to uh, promote their show. Always happy to help. Everybody else, I am, of course, Phil Better. He is Nigel Beckles, and I want you to invest in yourself.